Well, Matt, we'll get on with this. And again, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me. How's your day been going so far? Uh, it's been going great, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's about uh, one o'clock here. Yeah. So not, you know, it's okay. You still got plenty of the day to go. I do. Yeah, I'm a, I'm about at my midpoint. Okay, no worries, no worries. Well, how um, considering we're reaching the end of January, how's 2023 overall been treating you so far? Uh, so far, it's been fantastic. Mm. Um, the response to the single um, that just came out uh, a few days ago now. Today's the 30th. Uh, yeah, um, it's been fantastic. Uh, really, um, really just happily surprised by the uh, by the response so far. And it's, it's, it's our debut single, too. So it's been exciting. Why surprise? What uh, particular thing ha has meant you felt surprised? Um, just the response. And surprise maybe not be the best word. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I try to keep my I, I, I hope high, but expect mm. low um, just in case <laughs> you never know how people are going to react. But um, yeah, the response has been really good. There's a, a lot of um, a lot of people have taken an interest, which you know, for a, a brand new band, um, it's been nice. See, I think I completely understand a certain level of the surprise as well. It's not necessarily surprise because you will know you wrote a great song, but getting your head above the rafts, as as it were, above the parapets, and getting yourself noticed is the problem, as you said yourself, a new band debut single. How do you stand out from a pack on a day when so and so many releases are being put out? It's difficult. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I've been in bands before where I know it's slow growth, you know, slow growth and everything. Um, it certainly takes time, hmm. but I also have the wisdom of those past experiences to know how to do things differently from the past, um, you know, and just, you know, with age comes wisdom. When you say different, do you mean in the sense of promoting and trying to get yourself noticed on what is the difficult part of being a band these days, the internet? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I mean, I had enough uh, patience this time around to think through like more of a strategy of, um, you know, not just like getting getting the master back and then putting it out on day one. Um, you know, just take taking the time to do things right. It's a really boring modern part of being in a band, but it is so so important. <laughs> yeah, whether you like it or not, you gotta you gotta play play the game. You've got to do it exactly. <laughs> what about an enjoyment aspect of that though? Because obviously, while that's a necessary thing, you must do. Is there an element? And I'm talking about posting on social media, stat watching. Do you find any enjoyment in that? Um, enjoyment, not I. I I've always been involved in the business side of any project I've been in. Um, but the real enjoyment comes from the, the creative aspect of it. Um, making the music mix. I love mixing and, uh, recording. Um, I know enough about the business side of things that I can, I can get into it. And certainly, like I said, the, the feedback has been really good thus far. So that's been exciting for sure. And I can certainly get that enjoyment out of it, but, um, you know, I'd much rather be able to uh, really focus 100% on the uh, creative part of it. Yeah, just make the music and somebody else will take care of the rest. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the music then. Um, now after nothing, I'm particularly interested to know what your vision was for the band when you first decided to make it reality. Did you know what you wanted to do? You know, when I first started this, it was more of a 
I just needed to get my creative juices flowing again and get some music out there. And I didn't really have any intention of necessarily putting a band together as much as I did recording a solo album. Um, I've, you know, grown up, I started as a drummer, um, over time picked up bass and then picked up guitar and kind of fumbled my way through keys. And I've always done backing vocals, um, but was never the lead singer. And I don't know, it's something about it. I just kind of had an attitude of like, you know, like, fuck it. Like, why don't I just do it all myself this time and, and see how it goes? Like, it, it's really just for me. Um, and as I was getting more and in, deeper into the process, um, I was really excited by the songs I was coming up with. And I thought, you know, it'd be, it'd be a shame to not take this to a band level and perform on stage. And, um, you know, cause I always love performing. Um, yeah. that was always something, um, you know, one of the best things about being in a band was getting on stage and being able to just, uh, you know, kind of feed off that energy of a crowd and that kind of thing. So um, I recruited uh, an old drummer friend of mine who, who I'd worked with in the past. And, um, you know, he kind of came in and made the drums sound 10 times better than I could ever have done as a drummer. Um, yeah, and it just kind of like, like through going forward with the songs, I just was like, okay, at some point I need to put an actual live band together. And that's what actually what I'm in the process of doing now. Okay, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Because particularly, I mean, turning, as you say, what is an idea into a reality is, it's a big ask. It's a tough task as well. What were some of the challenges that you faced turning now off the nothing into, well, well, this attempt to put a live band together? Um, The challenge is probably, well, the biggest challenge is my, um, my impossible to meet standards. Oh. <laughs> I am very um, particular about my songs and, um, you know, I need to find the right people. I, well, first and foremost, it's about like people you get along with, right? Um, and people that, you know, I, I've been historically very lucky to have worked with a lot of people that have understood my vision and have let me kind of take the reins when I really kind of felt like I, I needed to. Um, but also would put me in my place. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> um, when it was like, you know, okay, rein it in, Matt. Um, so I, I think that's really the biggest challenge is just finding the right personalities. I mean, there's nothing that I'm playing that's so intricate or so, you know, out there that someone else could not do it. Mm. Um, it's just finding the people with the right feel and and th that you just get along with personally. Well, for fr feel free to not answer this, but I'll ask the question. How far along are you when it comes to um, a fully-fledged live band? Um, a little over halfway, I'd say. I have a, um, you know, like I said, I've got my drummer in place. Um, he's excited to see this thing through to the next phase. Um, I have um, someone that I'm like 99% like sure of on uh, keyboards and some additional vocals. Um I, I, I only uh, that only one remaining ten. Uh, the only remaining one percent is just because I haven't synced up with her in a while. Um, but um, I think the biggest challenge is going to be finding, you know, just like the right guitar player who fits in. And, um, you know, I, I like working with uh, and I'm guilty of this too. working with any musician. You know, we can tend to be a little flaky sometimes and mm -hmm. we're not always on time and we're not always <laughs> 
you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's just finding like, it really goes back to what I was saying before, just finding like the right people to work with on a personal level. Um, you know, that'll, uh, I can trust my vision with. Well, the benefit of having uh, Sick Fix out now as well and available is that, you know, any would-be guitarists can listen to that um, that you may not even know yet and then can mm -hmm. hear it and think, oh, I really love the sound of this music and I think I could play that. And that's how you get in contact, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Um, I purposely kept this as a duo for the recording process. Mm. Um, I really needed to just see this vision through, this original vision I had of like this kind of solo project idea um and keep the songs what i needed them to be for me um and as soon as the recordings were done it was like okay now i can start thinking about the live uh you know recruiting other people um kind of like i was saying before i'm very particular about parts i don't necessarily like them to be rewritten <laughs> um just be you know and it's it's not a uh, egotistical thing it's, mm -hmm. it's really just you know i i just have a vision and i just want to see it through like I'm not playing anything that, you know, someone couldn't play a more technically proficient guitarist could play circles around me. Right, um, yeah. So it's really just a matter about finding someone that I can trust that vision with. Yeah. And I think that's completely, completely fair. Um, particularly as you say, this started off as a solo project for you. And in those early days, how experimental were you with your sound or did you know almost immediately what you wanted now after nothing to sound like? Um, I wouldn't say that I knew what I wanted it to sound like. I, I I don't think I could have articulated it, but what I'm finding is it's really become everything that I've always wanted to sound like in the, like, you know, kind of in past bands and, and in my songwriting, mm. um, the way it's evolved over the years. Um, what I'm coming back with, I'm just really excited about, really happy with. Um, and I think the um I, there was really no forethought to it yeah other than once i heard it and i i i was it much it, it was much easier to identify once i heard the final mixes come back um and i realized even though some of the songs as as more will get released over time um some of the songs are you know stylistically kind of different but mm -hmm. you'll definitely hear that over um that overarching thread to it whether it's in my guitar sound or the sound of the drums, um, my use of keyboards and kind of little bells and whistles and ear candy that I, I love to add in. Yeah, because um, people coming to you uh, here in this debut single are going to look at Sick Fix and think, okay, is that an encapsulation of exactly what Now After Nothing is? Is it fair to say that? Or do you kind of just go on what you just said? There are different ideas and it's what well, it will always have that undercurrent and that theme running through it. There are different ideas. Yeah, I think uh, like the second signal, uh, single I just got um, back from mastering uh, a few days ago, and it's it's stylistically very different. It's a lot more, um, it's a little more moody and mid-tempo. Um, you'll probably hear a little more of like the, the kind of the dark wave influence, whereas Sick Fix is more of an upbeat kind of, um, upbeat kind of tune, but it's unmistakably the same band, mm -hmm. um, just in, in the overall sonic uh, atmosphere of the song we're well, sticking with sick fix particularly um the idea the vision behind this particular track where did that come from and how did it grow into what was the eventual uh final product 
Yeah, so I, I've always been a music first person. Um, lyrics have always come last for me. And and historically, I you know worked with singers that wrote their own lyrics and I never really had to put much thought into it. Um, so typically for me, the sonic atmosphere, as I always refer to it, of a song <laughs> comes first. Um, Sick Fix was actually, when I first started to backtrack a little bit, when I first started this project, um, the idea of doing a solo record was pretty daunting. So I opened up session after session of unfinished recordings that I had worked on over the years. And Sick Fix was literally just like a snippet of a baseline and nothing else. Uh, it, and it was direct. It had no effects or nothing. It was really just dry and bare bones. And something about it just resonated with me that day that hadn't really hit me in the past in the same way. Um and I, I mean, the entire the music for the entire song was done that day. I wow. mean, I instantly threw, um, I, you know, sequenced a couple drum tracks just for, uh, you know, to have something on there for drums. Picked up a guitar and just started, um, you know, writing all the guitar lines and whatnot. And it really just took shape very quickly. Um, and I was just able to thrive off of that. Like the, you know, you've heard the track. It's a very mm. um, upbeat song. It's got a lot of good energy behind it. And I was just thriving off of that. Um, I like it was just this kind of feedback loop between myself and the song, you know. Um, so that's really where it originated from. It's just kind of keeping that feeling, that energy um, in mind as I wrote, you know, and finished the music for it. Um, as it came time to do lyrics. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I struggled a little bit um, as a lyricist coming into this um, entire project because I hadn't flexed those muscles in so long. But lyrically, um, some of the things I was going through at the time and um, some of the um, environment uh, of, uh, here in the U.S. at the time, this is back in 2017, maybe 2016, uh, when I actually started writing this song. Mm. Um give or take, and um, kind of just fed off of all of that, you know, I, I, lyrically speaking, the song is essentially about kind of hypocrisy and um, unhealthy um, relationships we have, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with the, um, you know, significant others, the news environment, social media, um, all these things. It's just like this kind of big whirlwind of crap sometimes, and uh, which is where kind of which fed the line fuck off that carousel <laughs> it's as relevant now it's as relevant in 2023 as it uh, was in 2017 and no doubt uh, relevant <laughs> in every country as well you know uh, we all have our same issues so you talked about um getting the masters back from a next single but i was interested to know where does sick fix kind of fit in the relation to what you're doing now and is there a bigger picture that you are sort of planning to reveal as the year goes on? For right now, the plan is to um, just release a bunch of singles. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a new band, I had to think uh, on this for a while. I think as a new band, it didn't make a lot of sense for me to put out an EP, um, certainly not of anything physical, because mm. um, A, no one's really buying a lot of physical product anymore. Um, the band's not playing live at the moment, um, so we, where were we going to sell physical product, even if we had it? Yeah. Um, and I felt like it was a good way to kind of pace it out a little bit in terms of, um, 
you know, a me being having the time to finish these songs and put, um, you know, the proper energy behind getting them heard. Um, but also in, um, you, you know, just, just not, uh, actually I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> no, you were talking about the fact of releasing singles throughout the year. And of course, cause Thank I mean, you. I don't think there's an expectation on, I believe that as a new band, an EP or an album would be the first uh, thing that should come from, as you say, you just get buried under a mound of uh, other content digitally and there's uh, physical releases. Well, if you were able to sell a handful, it would be seen as successful. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think down the road, though, I would love to package, you know, a bunch of these songs together. And I, I will at some point. Mm. I just haven't fully fleshed that out. Uh, right now, I'm just kind of focused on getting like maybe like the first four singles out and then maybe I'll package them with another couple of songs and release it, you know, an, an official EP down the road, like in the summertime or something. There are so many things to do uh, when you want to make a band something and want to push it forward. Forget the fact that ultimately as well, there are only so many hours in the day that allow you. And unless you're going to be paid a lot of money to do this, which, you know, isn't the case these days in music. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, the fact that there's a plan going forward is is warming enough. Yeah, exactly. I'm just so thrilled to be doing this again. You know, um, it's been like I said, I, I had a big hiatus from mm. from music for a while. Well, how long um, if you don't mind me asking? Ooh, um, I would say, I, I mean, at least five or six years oh. um, since I really like last did anything, um, you know, like on stage or anything like that. But since I've really sat down and written music, probably a little bit longer than that. Wow. Um, and it was it was far too long. It, it was not a not a fun time in my life to not have that outlet. I'm glad you have it right now as well. Um, labels, though, uh, you guys came with a label like all bands do when it comes to selling stuff. <laughs> and the label is Darkwave. You've actually mentioned it once already. And yeah. I, I just smile at that because it's a very ethereal genre description. It doesn't really explain a lot or suggest what kind of music you might have to a certain degree. But it might, it might be why I like genre. that label. <laughs> we have to do it, unfortunately, because that's how it works. But are you a fan of being labeled as dark wave or would you prefer to kind of not just have any? You know, I, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? Mm. Um, on the one hand, I it is what I resonate the most with um, on a personal and creative level. So I'm more than happy to have that label. And I think it suits us. Yeah. Um, you know, I think um, it, it certainly works. Um, on the other hand, I didn't go into this thinking about, you know, I have to be in a dark wave band or I have to mm. be in a goth band or, you know, or anything like that. Like, um, that's the way I approach things, not, not the full way I approach things in the past, but I was more cognizant of it in the past because, um, I felt like I had to be just kind of putting on my, my business manager hat on, mm. but, um, you know, as I said, as this started out as just this like idea for a solo project, I, I didn't have any preconceived notions of even wanting to put a label on it or anything like that. But, um, but I understand the game, you know, like I, what, what would I, the first question that you're almost always asked is, um, you know, how would you describe this, the sound of the band? And I've always hated that question. And, mm. 
and I'll, I'll make it clear that that's probably the most valid question that you can ask any new artist, right? But I always hated it because I never knew how to answer. Um, I never felt like I really knew how to describe the sound. Um, you know, some people would hear Sick Fix and be like, Dark Wave, that's mm. too heavy to be Dark Wave. Or, you know, they'll hear the next single and they'll be like, um, you know, well, that's that's more goth than dark. I mean, you just, you never know how people are going to respond and react. Um, so it, it's just like a necessary evil. I actually just wrote an essay um, for a blog that uh, kind of talks a little bit about, um, you know, the goth label, like the goth dark wave label and whatnot. Um, and it was really fun to write it and just talk about how, you know, historically I've been in bands where I've been labeled, labeled as goth and mm -hmm. I don't even know what that means anymore. You know, like the, the term has been so used and misused and abused for, you know, so long now. It's like, I don't like, how do people even mean that anymore? When I think of it, I think of it in terms of the, um, the more historically accurate, you know, definition of bands like Bauhaus and, um, you know, stuff like that. But I think, and, and as I wrote in this article, um, you know, you had bands that sounded like California pop punk that threw on eyeliner and were being labeled, like mislabeled as goth for mm -hmm. a while, like in the early aughts. Um, you know, some sometimes by their own doing, sometimes not, I'm sure. But um, so that that's where I stand on labels. <laughs> it's it, it is a it's a it could be a very lengthy conversation because although I, I what you said i completely understand it's a game we have to play it just like when we write an intro to a review we we have no choice but to reference <laughs> progressive thrash death whatever it might be because you gotta that's what people might be looking for is you know you do it but hate it personally kind of bored of you in that in the sense that my one of our writers my older brother often just goes nope not calling it that it's metal and that's the end of it it's all right. it. stop being stupid because <laughs> it's so yeah. fragmented as well it is. It is. What do you reckon then, sitting here right now, do you think is the biggest challenge you currently face? And I guess you could use it for 2023 to take now after nothing and make them a more well-known name. Uh, what do I think is the biggest challenge to yeah. that? Yeah. Um, I, you know, just cutting through the masses. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the internet itself and like, you know, this is a, now a 20 year old story, um, if not more, um, you know, the internet was fantastic in the sense that it gave younger uh, indie bands a platform to reach, you know, their audience that they wouldn't otherwise reach. Um, but it also gave, you know, a hundred times more of those bands the, the same platform. So, you, you know, cutting through the masses is a lot um, more difficult. Um, so I think, you know, that just finding my audience, I think will be the, mm. you know, will be the hardest thing or, or more, maybe better said, uh, giving, having the uh, opportunities for my audience to find us, mm. you know what I mean? Um, I mean, I can push things out all day long, but until, you know, and, and that's why I'm grateful to like, you know, have people like you out there that are actually pushing out bands um, and, you know, getting the word out on some of these bands that are out there that other people might like. Um, you know, I think back to like my days as a local band and like in kind of um, early internet days, it would have been impossible for me to have someone buy a CD in Greece, you know, mm -hmm. and in this day and age, I mean, I've already 
gotten some, like I got a download from Australia. I got a download from, you know, like all these um, amazing places that I wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. And um, so that's, I mean, that's worth its weight in gold to a, a especially an artist like myself where we're, we're very niche, you know, like I, I've never expected or had any ambition to reach critical mass, you know. Mm. It's the, it's still word of mouth. It just so happens mm -hmm. to be done digitally. Right. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So I'm aware that music isn't your only passion. Talk to me about where your interest in filmmaking comes from and what you're doing to scratch that itch. Hmm. Um, I actually have a, my um, undergrad degree is actually in um, like television production and management. Um, and I think, you know, when I, when I would turn in like my student projects and, you know, all of the other projects were, you know, kind of, um, you know, like documentary style on college life or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and my short film was called A Day in the Life of the Self-Destructive. <laughs> and I like had these four fictional stories of, you know, these different uh, you know, individuals going through some really destructive, self-destructive periods and, you know, relationships, drug abuse, whatever it was. Um, and yeah, I, I really just, um, I fell in love with that, with being creative on that level through film, um, the same way that I do through music. I happen to be, um, I, I did make a conscious choice at one point though. I remember thinking, um, and this was when I was younger and felt mm -hmm. that I um, was maybe a little more marketable um, back in like the, the you know, early to mid aughts when um, I was still trying to, you know, get some level of, uh, you know, higher, some higher level of, of an audience. Yeah. And I did make a choice. I said, well, I can make films till the day I die. No one cares how old the filmmaker is. True. But um but there's only so many years that people are going to look at me on stage and not think, fuck that dude's old. So, <laughs> so I did uh, really, you know, focus hundred, hundred percent of my energy into music because of that. But I've always had that little side passion uh, for film. And I try to, I don't get to exercise it much, but uh, you know, someday. Do you see, an opportunity to combine that with now after nothing as you go forward? Absolutely, 100%, and I hope to do it. Um, the only challenge in that would be like time and you know spreading myself too thin, which I already do mm. um, in terms of you know how much needs to get done on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so really, yeah, that, that would be the only challenge, um, but I would absolutely love to, to bridge the two at some point. Well, fingers crossed that's a possibility um, because I'm sure you cover some fascinating stuff. Talking of which, if you could have been involved in a construction or creation of any movie, show, TV program, whatever, whatever, ever, what would you choose? Uh, like already in existence or conceptually? Oh, in existence, something that exists that you would, if scratching your filmmaking itch, that you would have loved to have been involved in. Oh, I would have loved to have been involved in Breaking Bad. Hmm. I mean, just, really why is that oh uh, it's just uh just such a phenomenal story you know the rise and fall of this um completely mundane character who who started as a mon you know this mundane kind of uh character um and just 
you know, Walter White coming into his own in, in the most sick way, right? Like in, in, in the most uh, disturbing way, but it was such a fascinating, the, the way that the story was told was just completely fascinating and captivating. And um, I loved a lot of the visual aspects of it. Um, the cold opens, you know, that kind of gave you the little clues and things like that. Um, yeah, it was just uh, one of my favorite series for sure. Oh, fantastic. Well, what about the the last movie, TV show, play, if you want, that you saw that maybe absolutely blew your mind? Hmm. Oh, that's a really good question. I've seen some that haven't blown my mind as much that I was hoping would. Some yeah. The, the latest Marvel movies. Um, but uh, blew my mind. Mm. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's, it uh, is. I might, yeah. We, we, we may have to come back to that one. We, we can do then because we reach a point in the interview now where there's kind of quick fire questions. Uh, okay. Pulled from a pool of about 500, I think, questions now that are randomly chosen. 10 for you. Every band artist gets these and they're randomly chosen. Some are nonsensical. Some are quite serious. It's up to you. Okay. To answer it. So first things first, what's your go-to topping on a pizza? Um, uh, <laughs> chicken, onions, and pesto sauce. That's that's a damn good pizza. Yeah. <laughs> For you, what is an iconic piece of music, either from a movie or a video game? Ooh, movie or video game. Um, Movie-wise, I would have to say, um, I'm going to really flex my nerd muscles here. Um, I mean, you know, this, the whole Star Wars series, um, you know, really, as amazing as Star Wars is, like, you know, it's undeniable what John Williams did mm -hmm. um, to help push that story along. Yeah, it's one of the, well, it's one of the greatest composers ever. Yeah. Okay, this is a real uh, looking ahead one, but a dream place that you would love to play in now after nothing further down the line. Ooh, um, well, I, I'll, uh, I'm gonna be a little genetic, like uh, overarching on this one, say overseas. Okay. Um, I I've been, I've been fortunate to have traveled a good bit. Um, I would love to play somewhere in Japan or in Europe. Um, I have a special place in my heart for those places. So yeah, so I, I won't name a specific venue because you know there's there's plenty of great ones. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to play like in London or or uh, Tokyo. Oh, fingers crossed you get to do that one day. What's a book that had a profound effect upon you? either as a youth or even in the last few years? Hmm. Um, you know, I read a ton of uh, musician autobiographies. Um, that's really kind of my genre of choice. Hmm. Um, I just, e even from a young age, like I would always, I was so fascinated by, um, you know, musicians and, and behind the scenes of what they, um, you know, what goes into their day-to-day -day life that helps them push it, you know, uh, get this creative process out of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think um, really any of the ones I've read have been great. Um, I remember the um, friend of mine actually had, uh, this is like early eBay days. Mm. She had asked me to pick, she was on tour and she had asked me to bid on a, um, the Babes in Toyland uh, biography. And I, uh, I was like, yeah, no problem. And so I won the auction and, uh, you know, got the book and she's like, yeah, you can, I won't be back for another few weeks, you know, like read it. 
And I didn't really, um, I mean, I knew of Babes in Toyland, but I hadn't really heard their music a lot. Yeah. And reading reading their book, the, the biography, it was fantastic. And I instantly, it made me go out and like, you know, go grab Fontanelle. Um, you know, there, there's the CD they were making at the time of the, or that was largely the focus of of the uh, time period of the book. And um, it really gave me a different perspective because it was one of the rare times I had read the book before. It's kind of like reading the book before you see the movie. Yeah, I had read the book before I had heard the band. And that changed my perspective of, um, you know, just have it like the impact of an interesting story and how that can tie in with your music. Um, because I was able to hear the music differently um, from that point for, uh, of, of the, you know, that particular recording. It's a unique way of doing it because you would imagine most stories, autobiographies, um, are, are read by people who are fat. You know, you're a fan of mm -hmm. the music. You want to know more about the particular artist, and that's kind of it. So to do it the other way around, I I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, and like I said, it kind of just fell into my lap, um, mm -hmm. and I'm so glad that it did. Oh, fantastic! A walk in the woods or a lively pie? Where would I find you? Uh, a or, or what? A, wa uh, a walk in the woods, forest, okay. or a lively party? Where are you more likely to be? A uh, walk in the woods. Uh, I'm a bit of an introvert. <laughs> okay. Tea or coffee? Oh, both. I'm sipping on tea right now. <laughs> but uh, I, I would say I'm more of a coffee guy overall. But I, I, I do enjoy a good cuppa every so often. Fantastic. Okay. The first job you ever had? Uh, busboy in a restaurant. Oh, well, yeah. an Italian restaurant that served amazing food. So it, you know, the job itself sucked, but, um, but goddamn, the food was good. <laughs> How long did you do that for? Do you remember? Uh, a couple years. Yeah. It, and I was in, uh, I was in high school. High school, got, got to work. So I'll do what needs to be done. You got to um, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? In ghosts? Uh, no, I, not like ghosts is like in the traditional sense. Well, let's but say laugh after death. Uh, and like, yeah, I, I don't know. I could change my mind about five times in the next five seconds on that one. Um, let's say, let's just say the jury's out. Which is a fair enough answer. <laughs> you said you've done a lot of traveling, and so this question's perfect. Your favorite holiday destination? Um. Oh God, that's a it's a tough question because there's so many amazing places that I've been to. Um, on, on the one hand, I would say like a place like Tokyo because mm -hmm. I just absolutely loved you know um, everything about it from the city life standpoint. But one of my favorite things was spending you know I, I spent about like a week or so in Tokyo, but I also spent about a week or so just driving by myself through the south of Ireland. Oh. Um, every day a new stop and. Um, you know, it was just incredible. So I, I don't know that I could choose just one. And I mean, they're so different. You talk Tokyo, you yeah. talk South of Ireland. I am uh, Irish born. That is my home country. Oh, uh, excellent. Excellent. Yes. So, so you I know don't... exactly what I mean about how, how, how beautiful it is there. It is. It is a beautiful country. It really, really is. Um, and last but not least, then uh, a realistic goal for now after nothing to achieve this year. A realistic goal. Um, I'd love to get um, a couple shows under our belt and mm -hmm. I'd love to get on a bill with, um, you know, kind of kind of some other bands in the genre that, um, you know, that are a little bigger than us so we can get some exposure to a broader audience. 
Hello, realistic. Absolutely. And I forgot we're going to circle back because even though you've been, I don't know if you've had any more time to think about it. Did you, <laughs> did you think of a movie or a show or something that blew your mind? Oh God. <laughs> well, let's, let's make it easier. Something that came close to at least blowing your mind, something you thoroughly enjoyed and thought, yeah, you know I, what? I'd recommend that. Yeah. I mean, like the first thing that comes to mind is like you know, film wise is like Pulp Fiction, but that, that certainly wouldn't be the last thing I saw <laughs> that blew my mind. <laughs> Go back a bit if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anything, like, you know, I was pretty damn young when it came out. Um, so it probably scared the crap out of me at the time, I would imagine. But there will um, still be some people out there who may not have seen it. So there it is. Go see Pulp Fiction. There I you go. Yeah. But d definitely wouldn't be the last one. Before you go, Matt, when can you tell us when do you think uh, we might expect uh, the next single? February 24th. Oh, dated already. There it is. There you go. Yeah. OK, so we're not got too long to wait, less than a month. But for now, Sick Fix is available for everyone to listen to. Go check it out. It is a banger. Um, now I've done nothing. Get to know them. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. No, absolutely. Thank you. I, I've uh, this was this was a great time. Thank you very much for watching. If you liked what you saw, please help us out by giving us a thumbs up and hitting that subscribe button. If you really liked what you saw, consider donating to keep the website and channel running by buying us a coffee via our coffee page or picking up some merch from our big cartel store. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as via our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as listen to our interviews via SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Just search for GBHBL games, horror and heavy metal. What else is life for?